you know what? I think I just broke one of our first rules. Yeah, I was about to do it and I realized you hadn't. So I'll wait for you to say the prayer. I, I took a sip before we said grace before beers. Hey, welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. We're just two guys talking about the Catholic faith over a couple of pints of our favorite craft beers. So why don't you slide into the pew alongside us and listen in for a while. Dennis, how you doing, buddy? Robert, how is it going? God is good. God is good. good. All set for another week on Pints and Pews? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Always ready for that. So I'm parched. Uh, it's for us. We record these on Friday, so it's at the end of the, our work week. Like you say, you're parched. I'm thirsty. Off you go, sir. And what are you imbibing this week, Mr. Kidman? I'm, I'm still on these Brock Street beers, mm. Armored Ale, Brock Street beer, local craft brewery. You know, I don't I, think I, I've I, ever had their Armored Ale. What kind of what kind you of? You like the there? Armored Ale. So it, it really says ale, but it's not really like an ale in the traditional British sense. It's more like a lager, but it's nice. It's refreshing. It's nice well, for a summer's day. Give, give it a nice pour and let's take a, take a look at the I color of that. I like the color here. Quite light. Looks like the Brock Street Blonde, doesn't it? Okay. So a, a lighter mm-hmm. golden color. Right. Light in alcohol as well. Just 4%. But you know what? Sometimes it's nice just to have a, like you say, a, for the summer, a nice crisp ale. And it's starting to get hot this weekend too. What do we got there? Don't tell me Belgium. No, okay. actually, you, you you have local. You have a Brock Street from Whitby, and I have from the Town Brewery in Whitby. Oh, it's called Outside Jokes. I've never tried this before, so yeah. I just I saw. I know it's from uh, you know fairly local to us. Yeah, that's uh, closer to Whitby me the than town. Yeah, in the town brewery. That's about that's about a drive down one street to get from Brock Street to Old Town. Is it has a that looks a, very looks almost like a wheat beer. It does look like almost like a wheat beer. And that uh, that to me, I I know I can't say it from looking at it, but it's, it looks like it's going to be a bitter hoppy taste to it. Well, no? I was just going to say I can when I smell. So it it has a, a very bitter citrusy kind of. Kind of aroma. Yes, citrusy is what I was looking for. All right. So let's give it it a try. Very nice, very crisp. Like you say, hoppy, citrusy. It says uh, it's a pale ale. It it tastes very much like an IPA. Not as sharp as some of the IPAs that I've had, but very nice. And you know what? I think I just broke one of our first rules. Yeah, I was about to do it and I realized you hadn't. So I'm, I'll wait for you to say the prayer. I, I took a sip before we said grace before beers. So okay. you know, ho- hopefully I will be forgiven for, for that. For your transgression. In the that name of the Father. Re- I mean, we're going to get started and you cut me off. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say it doesn't require penance or confession for that. Go on. Yeah. No, I, I require penance for a lot of other things, but I don't think that's one of them. So. So we'll begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. So cheers, mate. Cheers, Robert. So I'm going to guess that that Armored Ale is probably a little bit smoother than a yes. pale ale. Got a bit of a, a little bit of a bite to it, but it's nice. I like it. And so thinking of, of beers, before we kind of dive into the subject that we were going to talk about today, uh, thinking of beers, there was some big news out of Belgium this past week. And that is that for the first time in 200 years, brewing is going to return to the Grimbergen Abbey, which is... You showed me that. You sent me that. What was that all about? Yeah, and I posted the article actually to, to our Facebook page. And so the Grimbergen Abbey, it's a, a Norbertine Abbey. Uh, my, my, my geography directional in, in Brussels is, is a mess because the streets go in every different direction. So it's hard to know when you're facing north, south, east, or west. I believe it's just north of Brussels in the town of Grimbergen. There's the, the Norbertine Abbey that's there. And they are known around the world. There is the Grimbergen beer, which already exists, but it's uh, a beer that is used, like the Grimbergen beer itself uh, is produced by Carlsberg of all companies. The monastery had sold the rights to brewing their beer to uh, the company that owns Carlsberg. Now, the Abbey itself dates back to 1128. Oh my Lord. Right? Uh, and it was uh, in existence and, you know, if you want to say operating as an abbey from 1128 up until the French Revolution. So up until the, the 1790s, the seven, the 1790s, um, when the French Revolution uh, shut everything Catholic down. Uh, I, I know of stories of, of cathedral church, or not necessarily cathedrals, but basilica churches, these massive churches and monasteries that when the revolution came through and took over, they used the monasteries and the churches as rock quarries, and they would take the stones that were used as building blocks in these holy sites uh, to build barns and houses and fences. So you can still, in France, uh, find ornately carved stones in a barn or, or in a fence row. And so the, the Grimbergen Abbey, uh, and there are, their symbol is the phoenix because the abbey itself had burnt down three times and rose again from, from the ashes. Uh, for the first time in 200 years, they're going to be brewing on site. So wow. 200, yep. 200 years ago, they had sold the rights to, to brew their Grimbergen beer. Uh, and it's eventually now come to the Carlsberg company. Uh, but for the first time in 200 years, they're opening a microbrewery. So it's equivalent of say, a craft brewery. Right. And a lot of the monasteries in Belgium now do have these microbreweries. Uh, it's a way to draw in, say, tourists. Right. Who's going to run that, Robert? Yeah. Are the monks are the monks going to run that, or is so, Carlsberg going to? No, it has nothing to do with Carlsberg. This microbrewery. So the monks will run the business end of it. Right. Um, and they've brought in uh, a brewmaster from France to do the brewing for them. Okay, and what about the manpower itself? I guess much of it is all technology, and, and they don't really have to the physical labor part of it. Is there any of that actually there? Like you know, that, that wasn't in the article, so okay. uh, that I really don't know. I think it will be a mix between the the brother monks and 
some lame folk that are yeah. some of I was just thinking maybe they're getting a little bit on in years that they're probably not up for that kind of type of work, maybe. I, I think you'd be surprised when you look okay. at uh, the different uh, religious orders around the world that there still is a gamut of age groups. We have a notion of thinking that they're all aging and dying out and that religious orders are coming to an end. Mm -hmm. But I think you would be pleasantly surprised to see that there's also some young vocations within the religious orders Yeah, uh, as well. Oh, for sure. And so they're going to have three labels in the microbrewery, uh, um, one called Magnum Opus, the other, an Ignis Quadruple, which uh, the quadruples have like a, a four-stage fermentation process, and an Astrum Pale Ale. Uh, the best part about the Grimbergen Abbey, where they're going to start this microbrewery and start brewing, uh, is a very good friend of mine when I studied in Brussels, uh, lives in the next town over. Hmm. He, he lives in Wemmel. So I'm now already starting to plan once borders open up and we're able to travel to hopefully get back to Brussels, not only to see good friends, but also to, to try out these monastic brews that he could send, he could ship you over a couple in the meantime, I suppose. Hey, eh? that, that, that would be nice. I'll get you his number. You can give him a call and, and ask him to put that, put that in the mail for us. That in the mail, drop it in the mail. Now we wanted to talk about today. We put out there, you know, to kind of look at uh, the topic of faith films, uh, of Catholics. I, I don't want to say Catholic cinematography because it's, uh, I think that would really, really narrow, but faith films and, and films of faith. And one of the, one of the, it is a Catholic film, if you say that, that I've been put on to in the last few years. Uh, and to make that link between the monks and our topic today of films is the movie Integrate Silence. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this movie, Integrate Silence. It was a documentary that came out in, in 2005. Mm. Oh, I didn't know we were doing documentaries. Okay, what's this about? Yeah, so Integrate Silence is a, a documentary put out by a German director. His name is Philip Groening. Now, he's not to be confused with Matt Groening, who is the, the, the creator of The Simpsons. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and it took him five years actually to get permission to go into uh, the Cartesian monastery in the French Alps. Uh, and the Cartesian monks live under a strict, strict cloistered rule and a strict rule of silence. So the, the film itself, Integrate Silence, is about two to two and a half hours long and there's next to no dialogue. And so, you know what? I was just looking at that. That really, so it's into great silence. I thought you had originally said integrate silence, but into great silence, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That looks amazing. So no dialogue. That looks like a great little film there, Robert. And, and I think it gives a, a really good perspective on the life of the strict religious orders and a, a great insight into the, the monastic life and what monastic life you know, looks like today looked like a hundred years ago, looked like a thousand years ago, back, say, in 1128, when the Grimbergen Abbey itself was mm. uh, founded. Uh, again, you're looking at different orders between the Norbertines 
and the Carthusians, but I think it gives you a good idea of of what that lifestyle. Yeah, I'll put like. that on my list. That looks like a good one. Where can we get that? Is that Netflix or? Uh, I believe it's on Netflix, and I was put onto it actually through YouTube. Okay. So you can you can I'll put that down. And you know what? A couple of mine, and you're probably the same thing. I I just realized when I had gone over a couple of my movies. Uh, I can't believe, remember the day when a lot of them were nominated for Academy Awards for Best Picture, for Best... Uh, it, it, that would not happen today with a lot of Catholic films, obviously. But they were back then, which was right. kind of very cool. Yeah, uh, they were much bigger productions, much grander productions. That's not to say that the productions that are put out there today aren't good. And I have to admit, I'm not a big cinephile. I'm not a big movie guy. If, we, what, put, if we put a movie on to watch here at home, I'm usually asleep within the first 10 15 minutes right that's, that's the one you do watch obviously the, the ones that I, I do sit down to watch I, I do get into but it's it's not something that's for me a, a passionate pastime uh, watching movies oh. but i still think that it's it, it is important for us to choose wisely it is important for us to to be aware of the entertainment that we're consuming Right. And, and along those lines, too, and I had picked one of uh, a movie about monks to the Cistercian monks. You might have seen that. Who put me on to that? A professor at the seminary about 10 years ago had put me on to that of Gods and Men. Did you see that one? I watched the beginning of it, of Gods yeah. and Men. North Africa, Cistercian monks. And they were, you know, they decided as a, as a group whether they would stay or go. They were... Uh, Muslim fundamentalists had moved had moved into the area and their lives were in danger and uh, they ended up staying and seven of them were martyred. Fantastic movie! If anybody gets a chance, any of our listeners or even yourself down the road, no, I, I have that. I actually have that on DVD. Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. I do have it on DVD, and like I said, I watched about about half of it one day. Uh, that's all the time that I had to watch. I, I never went back to it, but I you know, I found it very moving. Yeah, it was very much. Yeah, you watch some... it? I watched it obviously with subtitles, of course, because it is in French. Did you not have to watch the subtitles? No, I, I, I don't put on the subtitles. I, I find the subtitles are distracting. Are they? Okay, yeah. That's the only way I can understand the movie. But, uh, so, no, I, I, if I can watch uh, a film in its own language, I won't put the subtitles on because I find that to be distracting. Okay, yeah, no, I, I, I don't mind the subtitles at all. And I find if you're 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 going to miss out on a lot of good movies if we don't watch films outside of our uh, native tongue. Oh, exactly. And yeah. and there was a while where you know there were a number of of movies that I would watch that were again outside of English and French. Uh, so was watching the subtitled movies, and yeah, then I I need the subtitles, like you say. Otherwise, you can't understand it. And an interesting thing on subtitles, again, going back to when I was living in Brussels. Because in Brussels, the two languages are Flemish and French. It is in a, a Flemish or, or Dutch-speaking region of Belgium, and a lot of the population also speak French. But when the American movies came into the theaters, into the cinemas, you could go to one that was dubbed, mm -hmm. where they had put the, the French soundtrack over top of the English, or you could go for subtitles. And most of my friends there said they preferred to watch movies with subtitles and not the dubbed versions because you could pick up better on the nuances of language. 
Yeah, I would never want to watch a dub version. I've heard there. I, I never do. Uh, absolutely, you get the language. You can see the language being spoken. The words and the the mouths match the words, and then you just read read below. It's quite yeah. I yeah no. I've never. I don't think I've ever watched a dub, except for those like um, Japanese Godzilla movies. Maybe there's something like that with a five second delay, but that's about it. I think. Well, I'll say it again when I when I've lived overseas, uh, a lot of the American television shows like when you're watching television most of the programming is dubbed if it's oh i thought it would have just been subtitled no 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 okay. i i went through a year of watching saved by the bell but it was all dubbed you shouldn't really tell anybody <laughs> but anyhow moving on to your next uh... but that kind of makes me think there, there's also a difficulty uh, and we're talking about the difficulty of you know, dubbed or, or subtitles. There's a difficulty in making faith films, I think, uh, in staying faithful to scripture and, and remaining faithful to the faith uh, because there is so much in, in scripture that uh, isn't there. And there's this need to fill in the, the fictional end. But again, I think it's important that we're wary of what it is that we're watching that, you know, when we do use our spare time to watch movies or watch programming that we choose appropriately and that we choose wisely for that. And there's a number of sources that, you know, one can go to, to, to make sure that they are, you know, age appropriate and certainly, you know, faith appropriate if you're going to watch them as a family or just good Catholic films. In fact, there were a couple of websites that I had come across, you know, top hundred Catholic films. And I think I did print it off. So I thought, I got, you know, I'm going to try to get some of these out of the way in the summer. Yeah, I've probably seen like two of them. Yeah, I hadn't seen many. <laughs> and, and they weren't all Catholic. They Some of them were just very much family-oriented films, but they were on the, you know, the website as the top 100 Catholic films. Yeah, and I think the other problems with, with Catholic programming and Catholic films, or even Christian, if you, if you want to go that way, was for a while, the, the production value was cheesy and so that would put you off it wasn't entertaining to to watch but i think those days have changed because a lot of the the productions i've seen that have come out recently you know have been top-notch productions and they have been entertaining and they have drawn you in it's fine it's funny we've probably seen the pendulum swing you're absolutely right from the great which you might talk about and i certainly have one you know the great productions of the you know, 50s and 60s to, you know, the time where the pendulum has swung and they're not really good production. And now within the last five or 10 years, like you say, we are seeing much better, much better Catholic films. And so to, to look at, you know, faith films and Catholic films, uh, I kind of split it up into four different categories and we can try to follow those categories or we can just kind of wander about aimlessly as mm -hmm. well. But, um, you know, I, I put down you know, the sandal epics, the, the classics, uh, from the Old Testament. And those are some of the movies you're referring to that were up for Academy Awards back mm -hmm. in the 50s and 60s. Um, and then Christ on Film as another kind of sub-genre, if you will, of, of these films. Uh, saintly Silver Screen, so you know, films about the saints. And then some contemporary cinema. So cinema about living a faith-filled life in this day and age. Yeah. Well, you got some nice fancy titles there. I just went in a chronological order, but <laughs> the, um, 
Yeah, see, some of those I wouldn't necessarily say they were Catholic. I guess you could say Christian, certainly the Ten Commandments. Obviously, you know, films like those might not have been necessarily Catholic per se. And, and funny, they were done by a lot of these productions were like MGM. And I just happened to looking looking at um, the founder of MGM, Mayer, her, and he was actually, I think he was Canadian. He was raised in St. John, New Brunswick, a Rish, originally a Russian Jew, but raised in, and he had a very fondness for um, Catholicism. So that's why a lot of these films he portrayed were very family oriented and very much, uh, he put on a lot of these productions, which you'll probably talk about in a couple of minutes, like Ben-Hur or the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and, and that's where, in a lot of ways, I look at the denominational factor of these films as being almost fluid. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the great film, the, the Ten Commandments, that epic movie, when we look at the Ten Commandments, it is foundational to Judaism. Right. It's foundational to Christianity. And when we say Catholic or Christian, in a lot of ways, we're, we're talking one and the same, number one, and that's a whole other long conversation for another day that, you know, as Catholics, we are Christians. We, we believe in the divinity of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, we could say Catholic or, or Protestant. But again, when we're looking at the basis of a lot of these films is that it's the same stories that we all believe in. And right. Just, just because just because the director or the producer was right. of one denomination or another really has no bearing on how we can watch these films to help support our faith. Mm -hmm. uh, again, especially when you you look at something like the the Ten Commandments, which has been ages since I, I've watched. It's been a while. Yeah. How do you sit through? How did you sit through Ten Commandments at a theater though? Like there must have been an intermission for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there would have to be intermission and, and get up. Uh, you know, go to the snack bar, get up and yeah. use the, the bathroom. For sure, for sure. Right. Ben-Hur, another great sandal epic. Yeah. Uh, I got the sandal epic too, have you, uh, which came a little bit later than those two, but 1965's uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told, The Life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Again, you've got your Charlton Hestons and your, you know, Telly Savalas and your Max von Sydow's. You've got your, you know, your great, act again, Academy Awards. Like a lot of these were nominated for, quite a few Academy Awards. I was very impressed with how many just awards they were nominated for. And the production, these were these were epic scales, weren't they? I mean, yeah, the cost going into producing them. They, they would have been the, the top productions of those studios yeah. for that year. For sure, for sure. Right? And so you have and, to put and, them on. And the actors, it's like our top actors today, you know, involving themselves in faith-based films. I don't really see that, whereas that was the norm say 50, 60 years ago, that they would, the top actors of the day did get involved in these. Films. Yeah, and, and I think that's just making a commentary on the, on the shift in society and what society is looking for and what society is basing, basing itself on. Right, um, and what's selling to the public, I suppose. And, and what's selling to the public. I remember one time being in a workshop for uh, authors, for, for novelists, and the, the line was, if you want to sell, you have to have the three B's, bombs, breasts, and bottoms. <laughs> Again, I'm not a I'm not a big movie goer, so I, I really don't know if that's what is floating around the the theaters today. Uh, but I think you're also seeing a bit of a comeback of the faith based movies coming into the cinemas. 
and we'll we'll talk about a couple of them uh, in a little bit. But I, I remember one of the last times I was actually in the movie theater was to see Risen, the story wow. of Christ from the crucifixion to the ascension, or is it more more the story of the apostles? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good film. We saw that, didn't we? Yeah. And before that was the Passion of the Christ. Mm-hmm. Saw in the in the, the theaters. I've also seen Jurassic Park, one of the Jurassic Parks, uh, and one of the more recent Star Wars. But I think we are seeing faith-based movies coming back into to the cinema. Just before we, we kind of leave the, the Old Testament era, uh, there have been some newer movies of, of Old Testament subject matter, I guess, if you, if you will. Again, I never saw it, but uh, a few years ago, there was Noah. Uh, That's right, yeah. Noah. Uh, and just the, the things that I heard about this was that, uh, again, there was a, a, a little bit of overproduction done. And again, coming back to being careful and, and remaining faithful to, to Scripture. Yeah. Because, again, there isn't a whole lot of story in Noah's story no, yeah. biblically. Uh, it's three chapters in Genesis. Right. A little bit of a dramatic license for that. That's for sure. But even within that whole frame, uh, not really a movie out, but uh, Rona Downey did the Bible series um, that came out probably, I guess, 10 years ago now. And that was kind of something that certainly encompassed the whole of the Bible. But it, what, I don't think that was out necessarily. That was made for TV, wasn't it? That was made for TV film. I think that was an HBO yeah. special, if if I remember okay. correctly. Okay. I and again, I, I've watched parts of it here and there to sit down no, I don't think it was hbo i think it was on cable television because i remember when it came out and it was coming out like well every sunday for like an hour or something like that and it lasted about 10 sundays and it was getting pretty good ratings which was quite surprising which was good to see i think they thought that these nobody would watch it and it was getting very solid ratings and i really enjoyed that and we ended up getting the box cd set yeah no and i was just kind of looking around here because i thought you, i might have had the box set have that, yeah kicking around pretty close by uh and again it's very well done uh, i think historically accurate uh and they do put uh, the disclaimer at the beginning of each episode that they do try to remain as faithful as they can to the scripture but there is some uh license taken the scene that jumps up, uh, up to my mind as far as you know taking some uh, artistic liberties mm. with scripture in that the that series the bible um was the martyrdom of saint stephen was, mm-hmm. uh, when we read in the acts of the apostles the, the martyrdom of saint stephen uh, there's also another great saint that is involved in that story that's right now, that would be saint paul, saint paul. Yeah. and that saint, at the time, at the time and, he, and he definitely wasn't a saint at that <laughs> time He's in a book, a favorite book of mine called Saints Behaving Badly, where they look at Saul, the murderer, who became St. Paul, the apostle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Acts of the Apostles, St. Paul is charged with holding the cloaks of the men who stoned St. Stephen. Mm. The portrayal that's given in the Bible series is St. Paul is the one who incites the crowd right, right. to stone him. Uh and I think even cast the first stone. If he doesn't cast the first stone, he puts it in the hand of the, the person who throws the first stone. All right. Yeah. So there is, which makes for a much more fantastic presentation it does. Uh, and, and storyline where we see him move from that traje- trajectory to, to mm-hmm. the other. But even within that movie itself, uh, or, or that 10 part series, you do see a lot of, at the end, there, there's certainly 
within the credits, scripture scholars, mm-hmm. you know, theology professors, people who have worked on that film from both Catholic and, and Protestant denominations who would help, you know, make sure that the accuracy was there. And you can certainly, like, for the most part, like you say, Robert, you can certainly see that. Yeah, and I think you see that in most productions today is that they do try to to have the scripture scholars there. Again, another great series that's out there through the internet, The Chosen, they have scripture scholars that are, are Jewish, Protestant, and Catholic working on that because they don't want uh, guys that are recording a podcast over a pint to be pulling it apart, right? right, they, they, right. They, they want to make sure that, you know, uh, because there's people that are going to be out there looking for the smallest of mistakes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they're, you know, they're, they're going to be trying to keep it as faithful to scripture as possible. And they will put the disclaimer, but again, scripture wasn't written as entertainment. Nope. And we need to, re- we need to remember that. So to take sacred scripture, to put it on the silver screen, it has to be massaged. I think, somewhat a little bit we need, need to be very very careful that it's not over massaged no and that's why it's some people thought when i when i think of the 1965 the greatest story ever told i think based on the, the gospel of matthew where it was a little people said it was a little or critics a little slow moving and stuff but i thought it was great because it didn't try to go to you know these great types of productions it was just a solid story and it and it and it tells the story well But any other old, I've got a couple of old ones that you probably mentioned as well that certainly aren't the sandal epics, but uh, go back, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. Boys Town. Did you ever watch that one? No, I don't think I've even heard of it. Oh, you haven't. You'd like that. Late 1930s, Spencer Tracy, Father Flanagan, of course. (laughs) Um, And he starts a Boys Town in uh, Nebraska, a, a home for juvenile boys because they weren't being... They were becoming wards of the state and they were getting into trouble. And he thought, let's start a school and give them a bit of uh, direction in life. And it's still around to this day, I believe, in in Nebraska, Boys Town. And another one from that era as well. I think you had it on your list from the 1940s. Um, I I mean, I mean, in terms of around that uh, time period, World War Two was the Song of Bernadette. And I think you had that one as well. Did you not? Well, you know what? I didn't, but I should have because that's, had one, of, that, that's one of my favorites. Right, right. Uh, the the song it, of Bernadette again. It's again, a little bit longer. Academy Award winner. I think she won a, a best actress for that. Probably nominated for best film, which you don't see much anymore. But a great little film on her story in the 1850s, Bernadette of Subaru. And uh, you had Fatima on there, though, didn't you? I, and I had Fatima, which is a, a very recent release. Mm. Fatima that just came I'm sorry. Out. Yeah, there was probably an older uh, version, but you're talking about the newer version. Yes, there's an older. There's an. Old, I'm talking about the newer version uh, with uh, Harvey Keitel, uh, oh. who plays a, a journalist who goes to speak with Sister Lucia dos Santos to to kind of oh. get her version. Harvey Keitel is in that. Very interesting. Yeah. Very cool. yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Harvey Keitel. Like that's how much I pay attention. I'm pretty sure it's Harvey Keitel, but you know, I, I could be wrong as, yeah. as well, right? But it, it's a fantastic portrayal and rendering maybe more contemporary kind of uh, cinematographic uh, production of that. And so it would be interesting to compare, like you say, Song of Bernadette 
Mm-hmm. to Fatima, not necessarily for the stories, but for the production value. For the production. Because well, you're, you're comparing a 1943, I believe, or 44 to one 2000 and what was Fatima, 2017, 18 is very recent. Yeah, probably 2017 for the, right. the 100th anniversary. Right, of course, of course. And yeah, the, the Song of Bernadette by our standards, by modern standards, if you will, could be seen as a little bit slower pace. That's right. That's right. Well, all these productions, certainly. Yeah. And another one from that period, uh, Bing Cosby, Going My Way. The priest, he's put in charge of a parish. There's an older Irish priest there who's getting a little daughtery, and he has to basically take control, but he doesn't want to hurt his feelings. And he tries to keep the church up and running in, in New York City, and he needs to start, uh, he, he somehow has to get um these boys to start a choir to get some money generating some money for this production a great movie and there was the bells of saint mary's uh which was kind of a sequel to that about the year following so if you ever get a chance to watch going my way with bing crosby robert i highly recommend it okay excellent yeah and i think we're talking about all these faith-based films then you're giving me great list yeah Great list. So then, again, maybe through the summer, some summer viewing for, for yeah. ourselves and for our listeners. Uh, but we would be remiss, too, if we didn't speak about you know, Christ on film and the different productions and the different portrayals uh, of Christ on film. Uh, and you've already spoken about the greatest story ever told. And right. it really is the greatest story that was ever told. Yeah, it was a good, well, uh, it's a name that's certainly apt, isn't it? And I think from that, almost a, I'd hate to say a polar opposite, but very, very different kind of production would be Jesus Christ Superstar that came out through, through the 70s. 70s. And again, a, a, lot, a lot of fictional license that's taken care of to make an entertainment statement. Yes. Right. And, and to fit the genre of the, of the musical. And uh, of the time. Right. And, and of the, the entertainment sensibilities of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the 70s everyone was looking to be like w- way out there with their, their production one of my favorites that we watch perennially uh, is the nativity which is the the story that goes from the annunciation right through to the birth of christ not the obstacles but the trials and tribulations that mary and joseph would have had to face within the context of their society at the time and with Mary carrying the Christ child in her womb mm-hmm. uh, and King Herod going out to destroy him. Yeah, so, nice little production. And just the focus, like you say, is just on Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in the womb before actually, I think it ends with his birth, but them having to flee to Egypt, etc., to come back upon Herod's death and the whole census thing. Yeah, a beautiful little production, a perfect time to watch that around christmas time yeah, yeah and i think i think it's great too that you say they just concentrate on that story from the the annunciation through into the flight into egypt right. as if you try to go through the the whole story uh and i think uh, with jesus of nazareth they did that it ends up having to be done as a series right 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 you can't yeah. fit it all into into the 90 minute movie and, and funny enough, it's a Kiwi actress, right? A New Zealand actress is Mary. 
<laughs> you know, you couldn't find somebody from the general area, the Middle East or something like that to play that woman, but she does a really good job. No, she she does do an amazing job with yeah. it. And that reminds me, and I, I didn't have it on my list before, but it reminded me of another. No, nope, uh, you're not allowed to get, you're not allowed to put one in. I'm not allowed to deviate off the list. Uh, another interesting movie that we picked up somewhere, we have the DVD. It's called The Fourth Wiseman. Hmm. And um, you're not talking about myself now, are you? No, no. Uh, you're 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 a little bit past number four, <laughs> but it's the, the story of of the fourth wise man who somehow, either of his own design or decision making, but he ends up just kind of being a step or two behind the other three. Isn't that funny? And so he's always just arriving just after Christ has left. So he arrives at the stable after Mary and Joseph have picked up to to leave to flee into egypt <laughs> it, it almost sounds like a monty python skit or something like Al, that almost yeah. um, but that being said his presence leads him to another child who when you see herod's soldiers coming through to kill this boy, mm. he's able to pay them off and save this one life mm. okay. uh, and so then he hears that this child has gone to egypt so he makes the trek to Egypt to find the Christ child in Egypt. But again, he arrives just after Joseph has received the dream to go back to Nazareth. Oh. Right. So like you say, there, there's a, a little bit of comedy. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of comedy with that. And the main actor in that, and you, you'll have to help me out on this. It's um, the older Sheen, the elder Sheen, the father. Oh, Martin Sheen. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Uh, so the, the actor who is this fourth wise man is Martin Sheen. And he finally catches up to Christ. And he's been searching for Jesus. And he's been searching for the Messiah through the, this 33-year-old journey. Mm-hmm. And he finally catches up to him uh, as the sky goes black and the earth trembles at the crucifixion. Oh, wow. All right. So it, it really is a, an interesting watch. Anything with Martin Sheen, I really enjoy, you know. But again, it was done in that time where the the Christian movies, the production level and the budgets weren't necessarily as high. What what was the period of that? I would have I would say late late seventies, early eighties. Okay, Uh, I wonder if it was like before Apocalypse Now, which was his big breakthrough movie. I think in in like nineteen seventy nine, Martin Sheen, you know, as he was just on his way up, type thing. I'd have to look. Okay, I'll have to put that on my list. I got a couple more here. One that you've probably seen, Robert. If you haven't, you have to see. We're going back to the 1960s now. Again, Best Picture Academy Award, Best Actor, Paul Schofield, A Man for All Seasons, the story of Thomas More and Henry VIII, and how he gives up it all. All he has to do is take the darn oath. You know, pledge allegiance to the king, say the marriage is valid, say he's now the king of, uh, he is the um, supreme defender of the faith in England and the head of the church in England. It's all he's got to do and he won't do it. And and how does that turn out for him? Well, it turns out for martyrdom and sainthood, but he loses his head as well. Great yeah. film. If anybody wants to watch a film on conscience and doing the right thing, despite everyone around you saying, just do this, just do it. One of my favorites. The, the the king's good servant, but God's first. Absolutely. And those were his last words as he was about to be 
And I, and I think that's a story that a lot of us need to hear and watch to be strengthened because it, it, is, it is difficult to be you know, a good servant within the world, but to be God's servant first, first is yeah. difficult to do. Which I love too, because at that point he tips, you tip the executioner too before he takes your head off too, which I always thought was kind of ironic a little bit. But Well, I think yeah. that was normal practice is you yeah, tip the executioner was, so yeah. that it was... Uh, a, clean a little cut. bit, a, a clean cut, uh, a little bit faster, a little bit uh, less painful, uh, as you will. But yeah. thinking uh, and saying that uh, reminds me of a scene, and you're talking about you know a movie of sainthood in the movie Saint Paul the Apostle, hmm. Paul the Apostle, which again is a, a fairly recent production. And there's a scene in that where Saint Luke is being held uh, with a number of Christians. Uh, and they're being held because the next day there's going to be the circus and there's going to be the games. And they know right. that they're going off to their martyrdom. Mm -hmm. They know that in the next couple of days, they'll be marched off into the Colosseum for the wild animals. And St. Luke, who was a physician, uh, was very truthful with them. Uh, I don't want to say blunt because he did it in a very loving manner. It wasn't done in a blunt manner. He said, yes, it, there will be pain. Yes, mm -hmm. it will be painful but the pain will only last a moment and then you will be with our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and, and that's so well put because it's the faith of these martyrs and these saints. That's so impressive. And the calmness at the mm -hmm. time of their death where, you know, you think they'd be shrieking and, and, uh, you know, yelling and, and crying for, you know, begging for forgiveness and stuff, but it's not the case. There's a real sense of the faith and that they, like you say, that they're going on to a better life. And God willing, if ever we were called to be in that position, um, that we would have the same peaceful, serene courage from the Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, Paul the Apostle, again, a great production, very, I think, historically accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I found to be a little bit slow moving. Okay. There, there isn't a whole lot of action to mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. but it does trace the story of Paul's incarceration uh, in Rome leading up to his own martyrdom. Uh, and it really delves well into the teachings uh, of Paul's epistles. As much as it's not uh, a movie that's going to wow you with, with its action, uh, the message that it is teaching, I think, is, is one that is very much needed for, for us to, to listen to and for mm -hmm. us to hear. Right. And there was, there's a couple of other saint stories or saint films that I absolutely love. Uh, one of my favorites, and I know I lent it to you, but I had to grab it back from you, I think, before you could watch it, is Restless Heart, which is the right, story, right. The story right. of St. Augustine. St. Augustine, yeah. You know, it's drawn on his confessions, and it's the, the story of, of his progression mm -hmm. uh, as a, a teenager a little bit on the wild side uh, and very much uh, a young man of the world uh, and his journey through North Africa over to Milan and then back again. And uh, I find it riveting. I, and as much as we all kind of know St. Augustine's story of debauchery as a youth, uh, as much as that's alluded to, the movie and the production doesn't, uh, rely on that 
to sell. So it, it alludes to uh, his misspent youth, misspent youth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, yeah, it's not yeah. about his misspent youth. Yeah, you know, one of his famous lines, you know, Lord, give me chastity, just not yet. Just not yet, yeah. No, but an excellent, excellent movie. And another one, and a little bit more contemporary to us, is Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. With Olivia Hussey. With Olivia Hussey. Yeah. Uh, again, a longer <laughs> film, but a, an excellent production that really tells her story well. It does, doesn't it? It's such a great film. And she portrays Mother Teresa so well from a youthful-ish Mother Teresa to really the makeup and everything at the end is is her hunched mm. over. And it's, it's, it's a, it's, I really enjoy that film. Again, some people find it a little bit slow moving, but I, I find it tells the story really well. And how she basically from a nice little job in a Loretto convent in India, you know, teaching private school girls to, the slums of the big cities, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's one, of, it's one of the films I like because it helps remind us what our responsibility as Catholic Christians is mm-hmm. to the outside world. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, living and, out your faith in, in, in society, for sure. Yeah, and she, al- she always started her day in front of the Blessed Sacrament, but as much as there was prayer involved in her day, there was also action. There was action, yeah faith without words right and and the fact that it was in a predominantly country the people she was helping were not you know were mostly hindus right were mostly people not of her faith but she started a a an order right she got permission Mm -hmm. from the pope at the time to start her order and still going strong today yeah Yeah. that great film i love that film exactly and even from that that we're saying it's, it's you know, a little bit more our contemporary. There's a lot of good contemporary films and films that are not necessarily biblically based or based on the lives of the saints. And you've already spoken about a number of them uh, when you talk about Boys Town or Going My Way. Right, right. right or The Bells of St. Mary. Yeah. And, and there's been a number of those productions put out in, in the recent past. And again, I'm not a, a huge cinephile, so... Uh, I don't necessarily get a chance to, to watch. I don't sit down and watch everything that comes out, but there are a few that uh, oh, ha- have resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them uh, was on a bus trip. So it was four, four or five hours on a bus and it was the movie that was put, put on on the bus. God's not dead. Yes. Coming out uh, with arguments to be able to explain to an atheistic world for the existence of God. The existence of God, right? The professor. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's another similar title, and I've seen it on, on Netflix, and I do want to sit down and watch it. It'll be for a rainy day in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Case for Christ, which I think yep. follows a very similar premise. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh, a journalist looking to explain the case for Christ, to look into to explain why Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the, the Son of God. Yeah. No, I haven't heard of that one. Definitely heard of God's Not Dead and God's Not Dead too. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I might have seen God's Not Dead too. Of course, we have to have a sequel for that one. But there, there's a few other films. Uh, on the lighter side, uh, again, one of my, my favorite films, to, for, just for enjoyment and, and lightheartedness, Evan Almighty. Heaven Almighty, yeah. which which is the story of Noah, but put into a contemporary American context. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that is a good little film. Funny little film too, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, whereas the the other one of that series, the the Bruce Almighty, uh, I no for for me, I, I did not find that enjoyable. Where they have an Almighty, kind of, it, it follows the the story uh, of Noah, and you know all again those trials and tribulations from that. Uh, Morgan Freeman plays a great God, doesn't he? he? He's a fantastic God. Yeah, I, I think most people, when they pass from this earthly life, are going to be expecting Morgan Freeman there to, to greet All them. Beautiful white suit. Yeah, yeah, that is a good little film. And so, I just wanted to kind of finish off a, a little bit by touching on a little bit of the faith that that shows up in mainstream media films, if you will. Okay. Right. And so the, the not necessarily a Catholic faith, but Christian, like a Christian faith type. A a, a Christian faith or or, or how the the faith can kind of show up in productions, in in movies that aren't necessarily geared towards a faith audience. Yeah. That's kind of nice when they just slip that in or you say, wow, that's kind of a cool message that they're bringing forward here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And so the two franchises, because these really have become movie franchises that I... Okay, now you're going to lose me here on one of them, but go on. <laughs> Which I saw, right? But yeah. So... Which one are you going to talk about first? I, I want to talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, good. Uh, that franchise first. And when you look at... Again, I've only ever seen the first three. I've only seen the first one, I think. But yeah. Right. Uh, uh, and we had a comment from a listener that you need to watch more of those movies. Oh, is that right, eh? As, as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the Raiders of the Lost Ark, I've only ever seen the, the first three. And again, maybe uh, showing a sign of my age, I'm more into the classic. Thing. And they're filming a new Raiders of the Lost Ark right now as well. Uh, and I've seen a couple of comments, you know, how is Harrison Ford able to, to go out know. Indiana Jones when he's in, he's in his 80s or he just turned 80 years old? No, he couldn't be 80. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. Wow. No. Uh, but when you look in the the, the first Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark is the Ark of the Covenant. Right, right. So there is that faith aspect for so sure. There, there is that faith it's aspect. Such a lot, yeah. And, and that the Ark of the Covenant uh, will carry the army to victory, the, the, the army of God to victory. Right, right. And, and I think the movie in and of itself portrays that well and that it will carry the army of God to victory, the army of right, right. to victory. Because, you know, the, the climactic scene at the end is that, you know, the, the Nazis do gain control of the Ark of the yeah. Covenant and they're going to yeah. wield its power to, to bring the Third Reich and it's going to last a thousand yeah. years. And they yeah. open it up. And back in the day when it first came out, it was the freakiest of uh, special effects when the guy's face melts. But yeah. when you watch it now, you go like, that's just, that's cheese. That's lame, yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's, well, you're right. There's a real th- theme of good versus evil there. Now that you know, I go back 40 years when it when it first uh, came out. But you're absolutely right. Which is, I believe, it's 40 years ago this summer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. Oh, it, it could be those kind of yeah. dates. Like I said, I, I and your second favorite franchise, which I saw the first three. Now I've missed the last. I don't know, 20 of them. Not the last one. Yeah. So Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars, and, and you know, thanks to be to again, good my, versus my, evil. Correct. Pardon me. Again, good, good versus evil. Again, good versus yeah. evil. Uh, and, and thanks to my grade nine religion teacher, 
right? Oh, from you, who I believe you had for a couple of courses. I at did. The seminary. I had for a couple of courses in seminary. Absolutely. Yeah. As a, as a lay person, we might add, right? Their Institute of Theology has lay programs within the yeah. seminary, not as a former seminarian. Yeah, go on. So back in the day when I was in grade nine, he had just published a book that was relating Star Wars to the faith. Yeah. And then again, that whole notion of, of good versus evil. Uh, now I know in, within my own studies and, and looking at Star Wars and uh, the whole Gnostic aspect of, of Star Wars and the force that you, know, you can only come to manipulate um, creation through a knowledge of the, the force, you know, that, that whole Gnosis aspect. And the fact that we can manipulate creation and we can manipulate God, as you will, uh, as opposed to putting ourselves at the will of God, uh, I, I, I see that that difference. But still, there is that notion of good versus evil, of you know the temptation that that evil gives us, especially when it comes to power and wealth, the sacrifices that are necessary for good to to win out. Mm-hmm. And one thing too, I was thinking about too. You know, when you think of the the classic good guy, bad guy, like the, the old cowboy movies, right? Right, the good guy wore the white hat and the bad guy wore the black hat. Mm. Right, where you see in Star Wars, the stormtroopers are all wearing white, and so that notion of you know evil disguising itself as something good. Wow, as well. And again, you can go in, in depth, and uh, you know, like Father Yake had his had his book on that. But I, I always love when I'm watching something, and there's an element of the faith that's just kind of snuck in there mm-hmm. and it's very subtle, not, right? not, yeah, very subtle. It's not the highlight of, of what you're mm-hmm. watching, but it's, there's just an element of the faith that, that grabs you. And usually when we're watching a movie or a television program, the very, usually the rare times that we're watching, my wife and I will, will look at each other and kind of, Oh, okay. That's cool that that's, that's there. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, like one of the shows that we we watch on a regular basis now, you know, maybe once a week when we decided we just need to to sit and watch something, and, and it's a practical joke show. But the one guy, what's it called? Impractical Jokers. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. I, I, I didn't want I didn't want to fess up to that. On, on wait, that. wait, how, wait, Mike. Yeah. How many guys is this? Is this like four guys? It's four guys, and they're they're <laughs> they're, they're pulling pranks on each other. It's a hidden that. camera show. Yeah. It, it, it's just. But the, the one guy is often wearing a shirt that has a, re, a religious theme on it. Oh, I didn't notice that. And, oh, and actually for my birthday last year or the year before, mm-hmm. my wife got me a t-shirt that says blessed because that was one of, one of the guys on the show was wearing this, the exact same t-shirt that yeah. said blessed on it. Right. And I, I look at them sometimes. I'm like, I can't believe he just did that. Like, why did oh. you do that in front of everybody like that? Come oh, on. exactly. It, it's uh, yeah. Some, well, so some, some, good, some uh, of it you kind of go. It's like, mm, yeah, that's that's not cool. But uh, and the same guy that wears the t-shirts, he actually, I, I think he's, and someone will have to correct me, uh, like a Coptic Christian. Okay. He, he has a tattoo of the cross on the inside of his wrist. Oh, interesting. Well, you know what, and th- and this is certainly a good discussion about films, but it w- we'll have to put on you know down the road discussion of Catholics in 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 media, in out there in film and sport in in the you know out there in the uh, 
that, that are out there in the mainstream world the mainstream and that aren't that. shy about showing their faith. Absolutely. Or certainly even practicing their faith, even though maybe we didn't know that per se, but in their spiritual life, in their deeply private faith, they are regular mass attend, attendees or certainly they're, they're doing a lot for, I know there's a, a group um, sports uh, sports players, baseball players. There's a, a, the Catholic organization there as well. So that's something that we'll have to kind of delve into. Yeah, later. I, no, I, I would love to talk about that because yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's so many examples uh, of that. Catholic actresses and actors. Yep. Yeah. No, lots of great ideas and there's lots of things to, to talk about. So, but, but listen, you've given us, so we both have a couple of uh, films that we definitely have to watch this summer. And uh, I've got a, a few more on my list because of you, Robert, and well, hopefully you've got a couple. And, and the same, as you were talking away there, I was busy writing down the, the names of these different films, and I'll have to come, go back and listen over the conversation. And I I'm sure a few listeners will give us a couple of uh, key films that we have to watch, good Catholic films that are, are definitely uh, that we have to catch this summer. Yeah, because there's no way we could have covered all of them. No, and I'm going to give you. I'm going to send you that list of 100 Catholic films to watch, and I want them all watched by September uh, one. I was going to say I'll have it done by next weekend. I was going to say one a day for the next hundred days. There, there we go. There we go. Okay, Robert. Well, as always, it was great chatting, and I know we'll be be chatting through the weekend and texting back and forth. Absolutely. So uh, this is this is always good, and uh, yeah, we'll be able to, God willing, sit down and chat again next week. Please, God, we'll sit down again and have another chat. Take care of yourself, Robert. God bless. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed your pint and the conversation just as much as we did. And we look forward to chatting again next time over a pint or two.